Guys, we are honored to uh, talk about the craziness that just went down at UFC 263 with this next man. He needs a very, very little introduction, you know, from his incredible analyst work, uh, a full reptile. Of course, the Dan Hardy breakdown show, the, the war room, his great book, Full Reptile. Dan Hardy, thank you so much for staying up and uh, joining us on Submission Radio. Um, what is it like, 7 a.m. over there? Yeah, it's currently 7.24 in the morning. Um, I, I managed to get an hour's sleep yesterday, but, you know, we've been up all through the night doing the ride-along show. It, it's, it's awesome, though, when, you know, when the fights are this good and, and uh, you know, the, the event's such a, you know, got such an electric atmosphere. I, I don't actually feel like I've missed a night's sleep yet. <laughs> Incredible, man. What an absolute trooper. Thank you so much for joining us. And obviously, if you haven't watched the ride-along yet, make sure you guys do on uh, Dan's channel. So getting straight into it so you can get to sleep as quick as possible. Got to talk about this main event, man, by Israel Adesanya versus uh, Marvin Vittori. Somewhat of a shutout. Got to kick it off with, obviously, Israel coming out to the Hanya mask. Uh, for those who don't know, it means a jealous female. It signifies obsession and sadness, which I think was... A pretty clear shot and dig at Marvin Vittori just, you know, before the fight even started. Um, but what, what did you think of the way the fight played out, man? I just, the thing that stood out to me was the way, I guess, Marvin's game plan was to take Israel out against the fence, take him down against the fence, even though it seemed like with Jan, Jan had the biggest success doing that in open space. I'm wondering what you thought um, of, of that whole thing and uh, just Marvin's game plan. Exactly. I mean, you know, the benefit of taking him down against the fence is that you can, you know, you can allow him to get back up and keep him in that cycle where you can wear him out. But if, if you want to ground Adesanya, you know, as you said, Jan showed us that the, the best way to do it is out in the open. It, what we're realizing is it's something very different. You know, it, you have to be a good wrestler if you take him down out in the open. If you take him down in the center, you have to you have to solve that that problem with wrestling. Whereas if, you, if you're being taken down against the fence, that's a that's a whole new range that, that has been developing over the last few years. And a lot of strikers, especially counter strikers like Adesanya, because they like to be backed up against the fence, most of the time they take down the fences against the fence, which which is where he's the best. You know, I, I, we said the same about Masvidal um, going into his last fight. Like his best takedown defense stats are all, all against the fence. Out in the open, you can catch him clean. But, you know, when he's up against the fence, it's like a it's like a whole new aid that people are using to defend takedowns. And, and I think Marvin made it very difficult for himself. And, and, you know, he's not the most finesseful fighter. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of brute force behind what he does. So when he is trying to get a takedown, it's not like he's particularly efficient with it. He's just trying to, like, force it into place with strength. Um, you know, I, I thought Marvin looked good at times in the fight. I, I think he made the same mistakes that, that, that he's made before. You know, he was hanging out on the outside and biting to a lot of the feints that Adesanya was throwing. Um, and Adesanya had a couple of games that he was playing. You know, he, he kept trying to set up that left high kick by chopping the lead leg and, you know, making Marvin reach for it. But Marvin's defense was good. You know, obviously he got beaten up, but he, he did well to not get caught with a clean head kick, I thought, all the way through the fight. Um, and, you know, in spite of Izzy's best efforts to keep him off, he still got closed down a few times. So, you know, I don't think it was a terrible fight for Marvin, but I think I probably only gave him one round if, if I would score one for him. I think, I think Marvin's toughness and his ability to endure was very impressive in this fight. And I feel like sometimes with the commentary, 
Uh, the commentary maybe is focused a little bit too much on the guy that's doing really well and doesn't really mention sometimes some of the good stuff that the other guy's doing. And I feel like Marvin did have moments in that fight that kind of got a little bit overlooked by commenta commentary because Israel was obviously doing so well. I'm wondering, though, Dan, do you think this, I guess, uh, theory of, all right, the way to beat Israel is to take him down, do you think that theory is starting to get thinner and thinner? It looked like the evolution of Israel's grappling game and takedown defenses just keep getting better and better. We know he keeps working harder and harder. And even when he's on the ground, there's sweeps. He's very silky and hard to keep down. Do you think we're getting to a point now where it might no longer be the case? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to be honest here, and I think people are going to be upset about this. But the, the, the truth is, I think that the solution to Adesanya's style is not to take him down and keep him down is to take him down and let him scramble back up and submit him in the process. Like the, we saw it in the in the Yan fight and we saw it in the in the fight against Vittori just now. When he when he's in half guard bottom, he's wrapped over the top of the head. He's not working for an underhook. There were a couple of times in that fight where he had an underhook, which is that's your exit plan. And he actually gave the underhook up to go back over the top of the head, which is keeping him flat on his back and it's keeping him it's him in that position because he can't get his underhook to get to one side. When he does scramble, he gave his back. You know, there there are times when he's you know he makes he makes tactical errors when he's scrambling to his feet, and that it's not a, it's not a difficult thing to solve. You know, you know with with a couple of weeks of of uh, focused understanding of what he needs to be doing in those scrambles to keep his neck safe, I think he'll be fine. But that that is still a consistent mistake I'm seeing. And and Vittori was on his back completely unnecessarily for Adesanya. Who, who had an underhook in his half guard and gave that up and then scrambled and reached uh, and gave his back. You know, someone, I mean, Vittori is a good brown belt, but a, a good black belt may have been able to keep that position. And that's that's the vulnerability I think we're seeing in Izzy. I, I think his takedown offense is, is going to be good. You know, he's, especially up against the fence, he's going to be difficult to take down. And he's also very good at scrambling. He's got great balance. He's got great footwork. He's very athletic. You know, he, he's, he's very... He's very able to apply good skills, but there are there are tactical errors that he makes sometimes when he's getting back up. And, and if I'm a challenger in the middleweight division, I'm thinking, okay, if I take him down three or four times and allow him to scramble back up, there's going to be a point where he'll make a mistake and I'll be able to attack his neck. And for me, that was the only way that Vittori was going to find his way into this fight is if if Izzy made a mistake in a scramble, you know, gave his neck in a guillotine or a rear naked choke, which, you know, we almost saw happen. Hmm. I think it's a fascinating uh, observation mm -hmm. and a good one at that. And I don't think anybody should be upset at what you're pointing out. People were upset <laughs> about, about the Paula Costa comments. And then look what happened. Probably a pretty good day at, at the Hardy household when that fight happened. Like, well, I told you guys so. Um, I'm sure not too many people apologize to you, but I'm, I'm wondering what you thought about the way Israel was able to, A, just, you know, piece Marvin's leg apart, but also I think it's quite impressive that he's able to withstand that kind of pressure for 25 minutes, which I don't think a lot of people can do, regardless of whether, you know, Marvin, you know, maybe is not the most dynamic striker. He did apply a lot of pressure in this fight. He did, he did apply pressure, and Izzy, Izzy did manage it very well. And, and I'll be honest, I also I don't think Izzy looked himself. I mean, obviously, you know, he's lost a close friend and teammate, uh, and and I do think that was weighing heavy on him. You know, his timing was a little off, and and I mean that that makes it even more impressive for me because even on a night where he wasn't, you know, the Israel Adesanya that faced Paulo Costa, I think would have probably landed that high kick. You know, maybe maybe in the fourth round, and he would have been able to take Vittori out. Um, you know, I I I, I, just, I feel like 
I feel like he he was a little bit off his game, and I think I think even with that being said, he was able to handle the pressure of Vittori really well. You know, who does pressure? You know, he, he does pressure consistently throughout the fight. But something that something else that I think would be interesting is, and this is the challenge from you know you go from fighting uh, Kevin Holland and Jack Hermanson to fighting Adesanya, who's got a, an entirely different level of scr- of striking. It's difficult to comprehend that unless you're seeing it every day. Um, even because even since they fought the first time around, I don't think Marvin completely understands the the level that Izzy's operating on with his striking. Um, I mean, he's very reactive and very defensive, and it kept him safe. But there's still a level of comprehension I, I don't quite think he's got. Um, and and the fainting that Adesanya is using is just so good. And and it's almost like you kind of almost want to put blinkers on on uh, on Marvin Vittori, kind of blindfold him and just make him fight out of instinct. Because if you take the pressure that he put on on um, uh, on Holland and Hermanson, and just you gave him the confidence to not bite to the feints of Adesanya, it would have been an even more difficult night for Adesanya with that pressure. But the feints and the threat of something happening is what kept Vittori off part of the time. Um, and then the rest of the time, it's good head, good head movement, good footwork. Um, it's just a, a great performance. I mean, exactly what I would have expected from from Izzy really. Um, you know, he, go, he goes from strength to strength, but I would like to see those little holes in his game. Ooh, fucking my, my screen. <laughs> um, I would like to see those little holes in his game just tidied up because eventually someone will will notice them and, and, and jump on it. Well, you hit the nail on the head with the feints and his ability to kind of uh, make Marvin a little bit hesitant and kind of freeze him, which is what we saw in the Paulo Costa fight. And it's fascinating seeing Rafael Cordero, you know, the great coach that he is, just so frustrated with Marvin not being able to execute, execute the game plan. I wonder if it was because Adesanya had that ability to kind of freeze him and make him doubt himself. It was also fascinating seeing Marvin's confidence before the fight, just, you know, unequivocal. And then we saw that kind of go away pretty quickly in the fight. And I, w- I wonder if you think it's a, a case where Adesanya's previous fights are kind of catching up to opponents. Like, we always joke about in the WWE, The Undertaker had this aura about him. I guess in MMA, you would compare that to, say, Anderson Silva, where people were kind of broken, in a sense, before they even got in into him. People say that feints only work if you can get your opponent's respect. And I wonder if, in some ways, it's become easier for Israel because his opponents, they are already respecting him a lot because of his previous performances. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think people are aware of how dangerous he is, um, and I and I do think that that is, I mean, that is obviously part of the part of the threat of the feint. You know, when you see him move, you know, people expect something to be coming at them, which could potentially end the fight. So I think he does. I think he does already garner that respect from his opponents. Um, and the, the other thing as well, you know. <laughs> fainting, fainting, you've, you've kind of got to sell it. You've got to sell it with confidence. Like if you're fainting out of nervous energy, like you might get someone to react a little bit, but they're, they're not going to react the same way as, as they would against Adesanya, who's just a picture of, of stoicism. I mean, he's just, he's just so calm in there. And you can imagine it like there's a shot of one of his fights in glory. Uh, believe that, believe his opponent's name was Roberts. And there's a shot in the replay um, I actually put it in, in my war room. You'll be able to see the clip in there. And you can see over his opponent's shoulder, from his perspective, he's looking at Izzy's face. And even in slow motion, you don't really quite appreciate it. But Izzy's just got a calm face and he just glances at his midsection and then switches his leg and kicks him in the head. And in, in the moment, you, you can see what he did. You know, you can see his opponent goes to block the body kick, expecting that to come. But Izzy sold it so well, just with his shift of eye line. 
and and they're they're the kind of things that you it's difficult to anticipate until you're in there facing that individual you know anderson silva used the same thing against vitor belfort if you watch that front kick knockout vitor belt blocking an inside low kick at the same time you know the shot that knocked him out was not the one that he thought uh, anderson silva was going to throw um you know and and that's what izzy does so well and and that's what he was trying to do with the high kick he was trying to disguise it because Vittori, Vittori has a habit of keeping his keeping his right arm here, and when the when the kicks were coming and he started to reach for the low kick, which was opening up this as a target. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I, I think if Izzy was five percent better tonight, he would have been able to stop Vittori. Um, but as it was, you know, Vittori's toughness shone through, and you know he had a good performance himself. It was just he's just not on the level of Adesanya, especially not if he leaves the fight at range for as long as he did. Let's just quickly talk about the kicking, Dan, because we saw that Vittori didn't really check many kicks and he copped a lot of kicks at the start of the fight, which without a doubt had a huge impact on the way he was going to be able to move. We saw he threw one, I think one good kick landed at Israel at one point during a transition that looked pretty good. I'm wondering, what is your theory on people trying to deal with Adesanya in his kicking game? And do you think a lot of people sort of just give up and don't like don't try to throw kicks at him because they think he's so good at checking and avoiding him. And maybe more people should. Um, absolutely, I think they should. Um, and I think you know a, a good time to do it. And we saw this a few times in this fight uh, the evening. Um, Marvin's punching and swinging and missing his head. And whenever someone's got good head movement, you know the, the benefit of having a wide stance is that you've got a good range of motion for your head because you've got a wider base, so you can move much further. You know, a tree with wider roots can sway much further in the wind. The, the, the problem with that is that your hips and your legs stay in the same place or largely in the same area. But people get so distracted swinging for the head, they don't, they don't focus on any other targets. And, you know, something that Marvin could have done which would have helped him out is definitely throw some low kicks to complement his, his punches to the head because he's going to be able to catch Izzy vulnerable because he stands with a wide stance when he's using defensive head movement. He could have also dug some big shots into the body. Um, and I think that was something that he neglected. And we, we've seen knees out of Vittoria as well before. I mean, he knocked out uh, Jack Mason in Venator before his UFC career with a, a lovely little sliding knee. And I'm not saying he would have knocked Adesanya out with it, but he could have certainly covered some distance instead of hanging around on the outside. This is, um, I mean, we saw it. best example was the Paolo Costa fight. He literally just stood there and got beaten up. Mm. I mean, he, he, he did very little. And he was never, ever going to win the fight at that range. He, he stood there. He reacted in any bit to feints. He allowed Adesanya to establish a few different stories. And then Adesanya just picked him apart. And, you know, Vittori kept trying to put his foot on the gas. But at the same time, he, he's, still, he's still a witness to what's going on in front of him as opposed to being proactive in stopping it. Um, and that's what you see with Adesanya's fights. That, that's the witchcraft part of it. That's the that's the the magic. You know, we see so few fighters able to command space like that. Um, you know, Ad Anderson Silva probably being one of the few of the ones that you can name. Um, and Canelo is is another one that comes to mind in the boxing world because people are so they're so cautious because everything he throws has got such force behind it that he makes people reactive, which means he can do a third of the work. Whereas on the flip side, you've got someone like Rod Tang Jitwangnan, who, who's just tearing through the you know the one divisions at the moment in, in Muay Thai and kickboxing, Muay Thai champion. And he doesn't use many feints. He uses the majority of his striking attack is volume strikes. You know, he constantly hits you with something. 
and then he uses a few feints when you start to to to, um, to be damaged. It's it's beautiful to see the different spectrum. But Adesanya for me is is the the height of that that level of control of the striking ranges because he has to do so little and he's so effective with it. Yeah, hundred percent. And like obviously the presses are still going as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Marvin will do one, but I would be very curious to hear uh, what which rounds he thinks he won because if Adesanya is to be believed after the fight, Marvin is under the impression that he won- he won that fight. And um, I would I would just like to know which rounds he thought he won because I think to anyone watching it was pretty clear that Adesanya did. Um, but Adesanya calling out Robert Whittaker as only Adesanya could, calling him a cunt. I think uh, he's probably the only person in MMA that would call Robert Whittaker that. He's like the most likable guy ever, but I love it. I love that he's selling this fight straight away. Classic pro wrestling. Um, I'm wondering, man, based on both guys, you see the improvements in Adesanya and the improvements in Rob coming off those great wins. Who do you think has improved more? And, and again, I know we're putting on the spot. I know you're going to do a deep dive and do a proper breakdown in the future. Um, but do you think that fight can look uh, much different when it happens, I don't know, maybe in October, if that's the date? Yeah, yeah absolutely it can. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, well, you just mentioned it and the hair's on the arm, on my arm. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd honestly not thought about it until this moment because I was so focused on that one. But the truth is, yeah, absolutely, this is a different fight. You know, we know Rob Whitaker's been working on his ground game. We know he's been back in the gi. That's one way he's got his motivation back to train. You know, so he's been he's been grafting. He's been rounding himself out as a mixed martial artist. And and the sides have flipped. You know, you look back to the first fight. That was Rob Whitaker as the champion coming in to take on Adesanya as the interim champion to to unify the belts. But everyone was celebrating Adesanya like he was the you know he, he was the next Anderson Silver. He was the he was going to dominate the division forever. But Poor old Rob Whittaker had just gone through two hellish fights with Yoel Romero mm. and really earned his spot as the middleweight champion. But he was the B-side in that fight. And and I think that thing I think things have started to shift. I mean, you'll you'll be able to tell me better because you're you're over on that side of the world. But it seems to me like people have gravitated a bit more back a bit more in, in Rob Whittaker's direction now. And Adesanya's almost taken on a bit of a bad guy role. <laughs> um, which, which I also think you know, I think that will sway it in a psychological sense. Because I think something that made Rob Whittaker reckless in the first fight was the fact that he was annoyed that Anderson that uh, Adesanya was getting celebrated so much as as the new you know the new the, the new hot thing on the uh, you know on the UFC roster. Mm. Um, Whittaker was reckless in that fight. He was running him down, chasing him with swinging punches. A much smarter Rob Whittaker is very different. He's hanging on that lead leg and he's springy and he's bouncing and he's ready to jump in with that long hook. Or throw that high kick up to the side of the head, or as we know now, you know he's got grappling as well, and and I I think that's that's an obvious way to go. If I'm Rob Whitaker, I'm seeing that that rear naked choke as a potential path to victory. Um, so uh, well, I'll, I'll call it now because I, I think I think if Rob's going to win, that's the way to do it. Take him down, drown him, beat him up. He'll be spotting those same mistakes that Izzy's making in half guard. If he puts him in that position, he'll probably be able to capitalize on those mistakes at some point. Um, a really, really exciting fight, though, and, and a, a much clearer-minded Rob Whitaker coming into this one as opposed to the last one, which I think makes him way more dangerous. Mm. I mean, when you were talking about someone in the division that can capitalize on a submission um, on on the scrambles and tra- uh, transitions from the ground, I mean, Robert Whitaker sounds like the guy that could get the job done, and a guy that was supposed to represent Australia at the Commonwealth Games. Um, for amateur wrestling, a guy that whose uh, ground game is very, very underrated. The people don't know what he's able to do down there. And the big question, I guess, will be, 
will he use it or will he succumb to just making this a battle on the feet? Because in the first one, like you mentioned, it felt like he had something to prove in front of those people after the stakes were so high and people were saying the things that they were. Do you think this time he comes in with a much more even keel game plan, especially with this new mindset that he's got? He, he obviously dealt with a lot uh, mentally and, and now is a bit of a different person, a different competitor. Yeah, I, I just think he's in a different place. The, the Rob Whitaker that stepped in there last time, you know, he was burnt out from, you know, from defending the belt, from holding the belt. But then he was also, you know, he, he was displaced as, as the as the champion, really, if you think about it. Because although obviously everybody loves Rob Whitaker, because Adesanya's got that special edge that we don't see very often, when people see it, they almost get a bit giddy. And they mm-hmm. forget the guys that have put in the 25 minutes of graft for the last few fights, which is, you know, that's, that's who Rob Whitaker is. Um, they also forget, you know, the highlights of Rob Whitaker's career and the skills that he's got. You know, the head kick that he walked Jacare around to, mm-hmm. the snap left hook that he caught Brad Tavares with, and and you know the come the come from behind wins. You know where he's been caught with shots like like in the Brunson fight. I mean, Brunson had him reeling at one point, and that was just absolute chaos. I remember being on the call yeah. for that one. It was just like, what is going on here? Um, but he, you know, he finds ways to make it work. But he he finds ways to make it work when he's in a clearer, more focused mindset. And just the way he was charging into range in that last fight, I mean, it, it he almost did it immediately as soon as the fight started. He ran uh, Adesanya down, and that was that was frustration and annoyance coming out. That wasn't that wasn't game plan. It, it that just it was it was too reckless for Rob Whitaker. It doesn't think like that normally, and you know. After, obviously, after that fight, he took some time off. He regrouped, um, and, and you know, and I think since then he's come back. I mean, he had a really rough first round against Tilly. Got caught with that clean elbow, um, but he, he regroups and he turns it around. And you need to be able to prove yourself over five rounds against Adesanya because I think that's that's you know one of the few ways that people can beat him. But I, I also think Rob Whitaker can, pro- can probably expose his back at some point. Um, and if I was his coach, that's where I'd be investing my game plan. I think. Just on Adesanya as well, where do you think his future lies? Because he wants to eventually move back up to 205. We're talking to Eugene Bam, and they were talking about how he's got a few fights left at middleweight. Would you prefer just to see him sort of stick it stick it out of middleweight and be the undisputed middleweight champion, maybe the best champion of all time, maybe try to beat Anderson Silva's record, something like that, because he's going to be very active? Or would you like to see him get go back up to 205 and try his hand again at being a dual champion, maybe making some more history? I have, I have no problem with him with him moving up a weight class. Um, I would much rather see him stick to stick to metal weight for right now, though. I mean, this this division's been hotter than it has been in a long, long time. I, I can't think of a time when middleweight has been as electric as this. Hmm. You know, I I, ju- I just feel like he, he belongs in this division. He would benefit a lot from being the king of it and being present on the throne for the whole time. You know, whenever whenever the champion takes their foot off the gas and moves to a different weight class. All of a sudden, guys like Vittori and Holland and, you know, Hermansen and all the guys that are sitting just underneath, they'll go, ooh, I'm, this might be my opportunity. <laughs> exactly the same as when John Jones moved up to 205 and no, in no way to discredit Jan. But that was the opportunity that the, middle, that the, the light heavyweight division needed to get a new champion on the throne because John Jones was probably going to sit there for as long as he wanted. Um I, I think Adesanya can absolutely move up to 205. Then against Jan Bojovic, he was he was 200 and one half pound, you know. So he's not cutting he's not cutting much weight at all. He was still you know four and a half pounds under championship weight. Um, I think his move up to light heavyweight, if he does it, 
should be considered and permanent. Um, and, and he is growing, you know, since his early career, you know, since he was, since he was his glory days, you know, his glory days, his glory kickboxing days. Um, <laughs> he, he is a bigger guy, you know, he has filled out, he has grown. Um, but I do think 205 should be a conscious move for him because not only are those guys six foot four, but they're also, you know, 220 pounders who are cutting and uh, that that does make a bit of a difference especially when when the whole in your game is uh, is is bottom position yeah 100 percent um before we talk nate diaz and leon edwards uh just got to quickly remind everybody i mean that was a very bloody fight if you're using a rusty razor to achieve the same effect on your balls throw it away and upgrade to the manscaped lawnmower 3.0 which is a lot more gentle on your balls and will give you the best closest shave you've ever experienced with the skin safe technology no cuts no scars tissue on the old uh, family beans just just smoothness and aerodynamicness with the 7000 rpm motor the led light and the waterproof features it'll have you feeling like a brand new man and hey you don't have to just shave your balls you can use it to shave any kind of hair maybe you got some back hair the ear hair is always annoying maybe you want to shave uh, your arm hair so that the art uh, the hair doesn't stand up uh, on your arms when you're watching big fights and you get in the chills either way use the promo code submission to get your 20 percent off save some money who doesn't like saving money especially at the end of the tax uh, financial year maybe write it off as a business expense i don't know it, it is <laughs> it is your personal business so maybe the tax man will allow it anyway 20 percent off with the code submission uh thanks to manscape who obviously sponsor us and sponsor the ufc as well so friends of the mma community isn't that right dennis that's right cass and once you're done getting some tax back because you have smooth balls how about making some money i know a lot of people listening to this right now would have made some serious cash off UFC 263. Who did you back? What kind of odds did you get? I know there's only one place to go to get the best odds and to make the best money, and that is our friends at MyBookie. And don't forget, apart from the UFC, you have such crazy showdowns right now. What about the NBA playoffs? There's got to be a cornhole championship where a bear versus a man wearing a bikini in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea right now on a boat, on a cruise. You can bet on all the stuff that you need to make money on with MyBookie. Sign up to MyBookie right now with promo code SUBMISSION and MyBookie will match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. Visit MyBookie online today. Don't forget to enter the promo code SUBMISSION. Bet, win, get paid. Only one place for that, guys at my bookie that's right the cheddar makes it better uh but dan you mentioned uh the hairs in your arms standing up on end and i gotta ask you man what went through your mind when uh, nate diaz hurt leon edwards in the fifth round after mm. basically getting dominated for the first like you know 95 percent of that fight um what went through your mind man for those who didn't watch the live stream and where do you stand on i guess what nate diaz did afterwards because a lot of people were like a lot of people felt like maybe he taunted a little bit too much instead of capitalizing. But I guess having said that, when he did get in close, Leon, Leon was able to kind of tie him up in the clinch. So what do you make of that moment? Um, it was, I mean, it was wild, wasn't it? And, yeah. and I agree with you. There was that moment where he, he pointed instead of punched. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I said, as we were watching it on the, on the show, as, as we, as we saw the replay and the point where he, where he, where he points his finger at him, that should have been a double job with another straight left um, because he might have been able to close him down and even cuff him across the side of the head and do it drop him. You know, the, the, the moment the big impact shot had already been landed. So the, the, the end of the fight was already within reach. Mm. And I mean, you know, he, he burned, what, 40 seconds or so after that punch where he really could have done some, uh, you know, done some serious damage. 
I mean, the thing is, it's Nate Diaz, and he won a moral victory anyway. Just just kind of going out like that, especially with the punishment that he took, and that you know he was he was bloodied and he was opened up, and you know he'd been hit with some really really powerful left hands from Leon, and especially in the fourth round, and didn't go down. Um, but you know, that's I was saying it in the first round as well. You know, Leon's Leon's an excellent fighter. The way that he loses this fight is by making it difficult for himself. You know, you, you watch Darren Till fight Cowboy, and Darren Till smashes Cowboy, and then Leon toys with him for 25 minutes like a cat that's got a mouse that it, it just it can't be bothered to finish it off. You know hmm. what I mean? It's like like mild amusement. Like that's kind of what it started to feel like for me with Leon. You know, he tried a few ways to finish him. He taken him down, taken his back. He'd hit him with some clean uh, some clean elbows and opened him up. So you know, he'd already he'd already attempted a submission. He'd already opened him up. End of the you know beginning of the fourth round, he started cracking him with that left hand. And I think in the fifth round, he just kind of went, oh well, you know, I've done plenty now to get me to a decision. And he's cracked me with a couple of shots that have not bothered me, and just took his just took his foot off the gas. Um, it was a silly thing to do because he's given confidence to someone like Kamara Usman now, who could punch holes through walls. <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if, if Nate Diaz can land a left hand on you and, and, and you know make you do the dance, imagine what Kamara Usman's going to do when he hits you with one of those pistons. He's going to punch you through the fence. <laughs> it, it's a different kind of punch, and that, if nothing else, has given confidence to the rest of the division that if I land clean on him, I can hurt him. It's funny because it really shows you that if it's an Nate Diaz fight, you got to do that five-round fight. Because if it was a three-round fight, right, Dan, we would have just seen Leon Edwards beat him up for three rounds probably. And that was it. But the way that it finished, it didn't really even feel like Nate Diaz lost, especially not with the fans. I feel like his stock is still high and people are still excited to see what's next for him. But when it comes to Leon Edwards, uh, Dana White said Colby Covington is next for the title. So what do you think is next for Leon? Does he sit around? I know Dana was on this show, said that the winner of this fight would be after Colby. Does he sit around and sort of wait for the next fight after that? Do you want to see him fight again, potentially, before he gets the title shot? What's your mindset on it? You know, I mean, I, I think I think if I'm his manager, I'm saying, you know, we'll, we'll wait here because two years out has not done him any harm, you know, as far as as far as his timing or anything goes. he he's not He doesn't look like he's suffered from it, aside from the... The um, uh, the awareness of the fans, I guess, would be the only drawback. Um, but he's not going to be waiting any more than a few months, even if they do make the Colby fight. So it, it makes sense from a business perspective to to hang out and wait and get that title shot because it might evade him once more. However, if I was him, <laughs> if I was him, I'd do everything under the sun right now to get Masvidal in the octagon with me mm. because... He didn't prove himself against Nate in the way that he needed to. He had the opportunity to, and he and he squandered it in that last round. And he should be more annoyed with himself than he was at the press conference. It wasn't an all right performance. It was a great performance until he almost shit the bed. And and that is not what people want to see. You, it's so difficult to sell that going into a world title fight. Like if he'd have just absolutely dominated Nate for three rounds and choked him out or stopped him with elbows or whatever, dropped him with that straight left. Then all of a sudden you're looking at him and you're going, I want to see him against Usman now. <laughs> because it was close the first time around and that was three rounds. This one being five rounds, I can see ways that Leon's going to win this. But now when you watch him get hurt by Nate in the last you know minute of the fight, you think to yourself, Usman cracks him with that and this is this is over. <laughs> um, I, I, think what he, I think the smart thing to do now from a fighter's perspective to gain the psychological upper hand in the division is to go after Masvidal. 
get the one back for the three piece and the soda that happened in London mm. and, and, and do, you know, and, and get after him, attack him, you know, make it violent and make it aggressive and, and demand a title shot. Cause he's been looked over again for Colby Covington and that fight doesn't particularly interest me right now either. So you know. really you have no interest in the Covington rematch. Don't like it. Dana White said it's one of the best fights he's ever seen. He loves this fight. He was telling us. You well, reckon? Do, why do no. you think? Do you think it just ends up going the same way? Like you don't believe it's going to play out differently? I, I just I, I don't I don't see it I don't see it playing out any differently because I don't think I don't think Colby's better than Usman in any range enough to negate the physical advantage that Usman has over Colby. Like Colby's got great great conditioning. But Usman's got great conditioning. Colby, Colby just could not deal with the punching power of Usman in that first fight. I mean, he was his face was smashed, and that was Usman before he really turned the corner and before he starched Gilbert Burns and, and Masvidal. Like that's a new Usman again, and I've not seen a new Colby Covington. So I'd, I've not seen anything that that would give me the impression it would look any different. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I'm just kind of. I mean, I would imagine there's a lot of people around the U.S. that are really, you know, really buy into Colby Covington, but the whole pro wrestling thing just it just wears me out. <laughs> I just I just don't I don't I don't buy into it. You know, I'm I would much rather someone like Nate go in there three times a year and lose and give it everything and sit at the press conference trying to hold it together and and be genuinely himself. I don't want to see a performance from these guys where they're being, where they're playing a character. It just, it, it just, it, it, that it frustrates me. And it takes away from, it takes away from what we can actually learn about these firefighters and the journey that they're on. Like, cause that's all contrived from Colby Covington. And that, that must take so much energy to keep it up. That would be better invested in, uh, in his training camp, I think. Mm. Um, before we talk about Brent Moreno and, uh, Davison Figueredo and they let you go. Just got to ask, Nate Diaz, you mentioned him at the post-fight presser. He mentioned how he, uh, you know, he. I feel like the camp ran a little bit long for him and then he mentioned mm -hmm. that he had a cut. Um, it, it is kind of often the story with with the Diaz brothers that there is always kind of an, uh, an injury that emerges, you know, after the fight. And this, this wasn't his best performance. This was... You know, not a great performance up until those last few seconds of the fifth round. Um, I'm wondering, what do you do with a guy like Nate at the moment? You mentioned Masvidal for Leon Edwards. I'd love to see that fight. But it's funny because you could also do Masvidal versus Nate Diaz as well. You know, not not to say that not to say that people necessarily see that as a different outcome. But I guess that's kind of a rematch that's always there for Nate. Um, there's also the Conor fight down the line. What do you do with a guy like Nate? Who, by the way, at the presser said that he'd like to come back in maybe three, four months which is a breath of fresh air for, for Nate Diaz. I, I love this, you know, new wants to be active Nate Diaz. <laughs> yeah, me, me too, but he needs to get stitched up first and the, yeah. those cuts need to properly heal because he's going to find himself in the same boat over and over again. Um, you know, one thing he did mention at the press conference, which, I mean, it doesn't excite me in, in the same way it would, you know, to see Nate fight someone like Tony Ferguson at welterweight or... Um, I mean, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd watch the Cowboy fight all day just because I think it's always going to be a competitive one. Um, but, but he mentioned Damian Meyer, and I don't think that's a bad fight, you know. I think Damian Meyer would probably be able to take him down and submit him. Um, but at the same time, I think it'd be interesting while it lasted. And I would like to see the extent of Nate's jiu-jitsu because um, it's something that we see, in, we see in flashes. You know, we see, in, we see when he, he submits somebody, and it's, it's, very, it's a very quick scramble. I mean, the, the McGregor finish, I broke it down recently for BT, at BT Sport, and it's 
like there's so many little little details in that finish. You know, as as Connor shoots in, he wraps the leg and Connor goes to jump past his guard and like he just he just catches his foot just to slow him down for a moment with his with his base leg and he's able to sweep him. There's so many tiny details to that that you really think to yourself, ah, I bet Nate just grappling would be fantastic to watch. Yeah. And you know, he he said he's on a level with with Damian Meyer. He feels so. That that's an interesting matchup, and that's also someone that's not probably not going to open him up. I mean, D- Damien's not going to really do a great deal of damage to him, so that would make make a smart fight, especially if he wants a quick turnaround. You know, get a few stitches, get some cold laser treatment on those scars, and 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 uh, and break that scar tissue down, and then match him against someone that's not gonna not gonna open him up with uh, with power shots or elbows. Um, Damien Meyer makes a lot of sense. I, I think that um, obviously we've got the Connor trilogy that's always hanging in the balance. I mean that's sitting in Dana's back pocket like a golden ticket. Um, <laughs> as, as is as is Nate Diaz's contract. To be honest, I mean just generally he's, he's worth so much. Mm. I wouldn't even mind seeing him stepping over to boxing. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen that Jake Paul's called him out already, and uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Oh uh, no, Dan, we can't. What if he beats him? <laughs> it would be too much for me to take. I just I just want to see these guys making some money these days. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I think the thriller thing shined a shined a light on MMA. And, we're all starting to look a bit silly for it, you know. I was having a conversation with a chap the other day who is a very prolific uh, former fighter in the UFC who realizes how much money he should have made when he was when he was uh, defending his belt. And uh, you know, are you I, chatting to Tara Woodley then? Uh, no, 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 I wasn't. No, different weight class. Um, but you know, I, I, I like to see these guys get paid. And the thing is, with Nate, so much damn maybe a pair of boxing gloves you know, and shorter fights and shorter rounds might save him a, bit, a little bit and we won't keep seeing him get opened up and, and spread across the canvas. Um, just just a side thought. It'd be nice to see him retire on a big paycheck, that's for sure. Maybe even De La Hoya, that'd be a nice one. Yeah, I want to find out more information about your conversation with Cody McKenzie after this chat, Dan, but let's just quickly talk about the Assassin Babies win. How about this? First Mexican-born... UFC champion, which is absolutely huge. And I mean, that would be, I don't know what's going on over there right now, but I believe no one is sleeping and everybody is partying. And there's a lot of tequila being handed around. And I kind of wish we were there. We're in a lockdown or we just got out of one. And it's just sad for me to think about. Break it down. (laughs) Break it down for us, man. The fight. I mean, many people thought Brendan wasn't going to be able to get it done. And here we are. He's the new champ. He looked he looked incredible. He really did, you know. And, and I think if we look at the the first round of the first fight, Figueredo came out in that first fight like he was going to catch him with the right hand and put him away pretty quickly. Um, and you could see that confidence oozing out of him in that first round. And then when he started to get stung with the jab, then all of a sudden it started to unravel a bit, and that's when it became a very competitive fight. But this this time around, I, I almost think that the respect he gave Morono kind of kind of worked against him. Because like as he was as he was kind of moving around the octagon, like Moreno's got such a I was watching his movement, it's so odd because he's kind of got like this double beat, he moves forward. He like he goes back and then he goes forward to double beat and then back and then forward to double beat. And then every now and then on the on the double beat forward, he snipes a, a jab to your face. <laughs> and because it's got such a low profile to the side and it comes straight up, mm. like Figueredo just doesn't see it. It just keeps stinging him over and over again. And then that makes him a little tentative. Um, and then obviously, you know, he got dropped with that jab. I think he was more hurt than people realize on that one because normally when he lands on bottom position, he's 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 scrambling like a like a madman. But he he stopped. He was subdued. He he pulled guard. He held on. Um, so a really really strong first round for Moreno. And then just 
I mean, that scramble to the back was a thing of beauty. And it didn't even, you know, it wasn't even perfect. You know, there was a moment where you could have seen Figueredo, he could have bumped him forward instead of going to his knees and that might have saved the position. But, I mean, just Moreno just looked fantastic. It was it was so amazing to see him, you know, the, the, the fight that he had previously and he gave everything and it didn't quite work out for him. And you, he's just always got a smile on his face. I mean, he's a ball of energy. He's, he's a really marketable individual. You know the Mexican fans and every everybody around the world's going to love him, um, and he's going to he's going to carry that belt with a lot of pride, but also a lot of intensity. Um, and I also wouldn't be surprised if we see Figueroa move up a weight class. Mm. I mean, you know, he was under scales a minute before the uh, the, the close of the weigh-ins, mm. so you, you've got to think. You know, he's missed weight before. He 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 just looks a bit drawn now at that weight class, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing him move up. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing him move up to bantamweight. You know. I mean, you put him in the mix there with the likes of, you know, Dillashaw and Garbrandt and and those guys. I mean, there's a lot of good fights up there for him. And I think he might look strong and even more fierce if he does allow himself that extra 10 pounds. Yeah, 100%. And just quickly on Moreno, man, just such a nice guy. I think he stole yeah. the show at the press conference. I know Israel and Marvin go back and forth. It was fun, but it was kind of somewhat to be expected. But uh, Moreno just fielding those questions like an absolute professional and just <laughs> soaking it in and everybody kind of falling in love with him. I feel like during that uh, press conference, it's like I said to the assassin baby, he should just be the assassin baby face because he just won that crowd <laughs> over so well. So a great moment for him, a great moment for Mexican uh, MMA and combat sports in general. But Dan, we could chat to forever but i think it's time for bed man follow the man on twitter and instagram at dan hardy mma his youtube channel full reptile the best breakdowns the best analysis and now the ride along where you can watch the live stream absolute uh can't miss stuff and also the dan hardy breakdown show on bt sport the water room and of course his book full reptile dan thank you so much for making time for us at i think it's like got to be almost 8 a.m in the morning so <laughs> really appreciate it no worries guys always good talking to you